Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. En USPS entregamos más paquetes para que tú también puedas hacerlo. ¡Llegaron mis zapatos de fútbol! Más rápido de lo que esperaba. ¿Entrega para la futura deportista? ¡Huepa! Llegó la sortija y le va a encantar. Está en ella. ¿Entrega para una futura esposa? ¡Oye! ¡Llegó mi nueva computadora! ¡Uh! ¿Entrega para una futura startup? En USPS, sin importar el negocio que tengas, siempre estaremos entregando por ti. Entregamos para todos. Conoce más en USPS.com diagonal para todos. No great adventure ever started with, so there I was on the couch. Adventure should be fun. Adventure should be rugged. Adventure should take you someplace new. And if you ask me, there's no better place to start your adventure this spring than at your local Honda dealer, where new Hondas are arriving daily. Check out the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, Accord, Civic, and more. So you can stay on the couch if you want to, but I'm going to find adventure in a new Honda. Hurry into your local Honda dealer before they're gone. Goldilocks Productions broadcasts universal cosmic frequencies that unlock, awaken, and expand the consciousness of our worldwide viewers and listeners. Goldilocks Productions presents the Inspiration from Spirit show with your host, Reverend Lee Chapin. The focus and goal for this show is to assist humanity in the awakening of a new level of consciousness that will bring peace to planet Earth. Welcome to Inspiration from Spirit. I'm your host, Lee Chapin. It's another Monday. They roll around fast. I have a special guest, Lisa Luckett, who is with me today. We're going to talk about her book, The Light and 9-11, Shocked by Kindness, Healed by Love. She is a 9-11 widow, and this is... Not only an inspirational story, but a story of strength and courage. So I'm so excited to have her with me. Uh, she is an entrepreneur. She's an award-winning author, mother of three beautiful young adults. She is also the founder of Cosmina, the Enlightened Living, a brand of kindness. Cosmina is a platform and social movement based on warmth, care, consideration, grace, and decency. Lisa's website, if you'd like to learn more about her, is www.lisalucka.com. 
But again, first of all, I want to thank all the listeners that are here with me again, all the loyal listeners that follow my show. I want to thank you so much for being a part of the Inspiration from Spirit and those who just joined today. Welcome. This will be an enlightening show. This show is always about education and bringing a new spiritual perspective to what's happening in the world. And so I want to thank you again for being with me. And again, before we start with Lisa, I want to say, don't forget to tune in to Goldilocks Productions Masterclasses. Go to GoldilocksProductions.com. We'll talk about that again at the end of the show. But the producer, the show producer, Tiffany White Sage Woman and I are going to be teaching our first masterclass together this Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll be talking about the energy of not only of Atlantis, but we will be talking about how to move from fear to love in this time of chaos and moving into a heart space, living from a heart warmth so that we can be the change we wish to see. But we'll talk about that more later, but let you know that there's lots of exciting things happening here at Goldilocks Productions and take a look at some of the other guest hosts and their shows as well as um, taking a look at the master classes as some of the other folks are doing as well. But again, thank you. Thank you for being here today and have a blessed, blessed day. Open your heart to receive this beautiful gift that Lisa's going to bring us because I'm feeling she has a special gift for all of us today. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Hey, Lee. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. I haven't seen you for a year. I'm like, man. <laughs> time you, time. Oh, it is flying, flying in its in its simplicity, right? There's just we're all just in a whole new groove of doing less, which is pretty interesting. It is, and having you know, uh, I think more impact, really. You know. Yes, for sure. Well, tell me a little bit about what's happening with you. Just briefly tell the listening audience a little bit about what's what excitement's going on in your life before we get into your book and Cosmina and Heart Pockets and your kids. <laughs> and just tell me a little bit about what's happening with you now in this new year. Oh, great. So uh, the current news is I have three young adults all looking for employment that are being on hold in their lives because they're in their early twenties and things are not supposed to be stopped. So we're, we're dealing with a very slow, I think on a global level, a national level and a personal level, a very slow mm, trauma, I guess for lack of a better word, but, but I see it as there's great silver lining in it. uh, Just in the idea that it is forcing us to slow down Mm -hmm. and really un untwist all those knots we've gotten ourselves into with the hurried social media, with the shiny object syndrome, 24-hour news, to get a chance to take a breath and determine actually how we want to spend our time. But that's a practice, and it's not easy. It's not something that you just flip a switch and it happens. So, And that's a great segue to go into your book because I'm sure that's what happened to you. You had Your world stopped on 9-11, on September 11, 2001. Uh, you sent your husband off to work and never saw him again. Her book, The Light in 9-11, Shocked by Kindness, Healed by Love. This is a, an amazing, amazing story of, of strength and courage. So tell us a little bit about that morning. I know you had a four-month-old, you had a seven-year-old, and um, a four-year-old child. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting, I just just to segue a little further, that 19 years later, you know, the, the idea of 9-11 is, is still revered in so many ways, even though so much has happened in those 19 years. I mean, our world is so completely different. And from a, a macro or a global perspective, I see 
in my study as very much an opening and a, if you will, birth canal to a new order, which brings us to shows like yours today. And, you know, Tiffany's and your work on Friday, I'd love to sign up for that, by the way, in the master classes in Goldilocks Productions. And you know what? There's so much to learn here. Um, my story was one unbelievably of being guided from basically the morning of 9-11 and getting a full beginnings of the full spiritual download that, that came ultimately like four years later. But uh, so the morning of I, my daughter was seven and I was taking her to school a little late the day that day because she hadn't been feeling well. And my four, I was walking in the house and I had my four month olds on my shoulder. His name's Timmy. And I had my little guy, Billy's hand in mine as we're walking in the kitchen door and the phone was ringing and I, I went to pick it up. And my friend said to me, Lisa, what tower is Teddy in? And I said, well, the one at the antenna on it. Why? And she said, well, turn on the TV because a plane just hit it and took off the top 15 floors. Goodness. So <laughs> she didn't ask me what floor he was on because he was on the top. He was at two floors from the top. So what she had in, in fact told me is that he was dead on the ground. Mm-hmm. So the beginning of the misinformation of 9-11 started with my first phone call. And that just speaks to actually a media statement that I, you know, have I learned and it was repeated over and over, which is the misinformation of the media. But I digress. So I run to the television with the boys. I turn it on. It's on the PBS station here, Channel 13, which is on that tower. And um, I see the smoke and I see it billowing out. And I, my son, Billy, said I was screaming, you know, Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. And I'm stomping my feet. And at that time, we watched the second plane at the second tower, and I knew we were in big trouble. So I, next thing I remember was sitting on my couch. I have no idea how much time passed, probably just a few minutes, um, with both boys. And something made me get up and deal. And next thing I knew, there were people in my house with me. I called my parents, as you do. Uh, they are in Maryland, so they, they hung up and headed up. Um, it's like a four hour drive. So I was standing there. So the, 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 the chaos of those few hours, um, ensued as it did in every household where people were not accounted for. And in my little community, there are four families in this little tiny town. that's a, a mile square who lost people. And so we became no pun intended, but ground zero for that time. Where people would come to our houses and, uh, just to disseminate, disseminate and get information because we were literally calling other people all the time to see who was where. And the wives became of the people there became the front line. Mm-hmm. And so I was getting calls every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes from different women. Um, had you heard? Where are they? Anybody know? And as the day progressed, it became very clear that uh, well, anybody above the fire uh, was not coming back. Mm-hmm. Um I had had a very unusual, which gets to the spiritual aspect of this story. There's several. Um, I had had a very unusual um, pre-preparation for 9-11 to handle it in a very different way than most people. Um, My husband, Teddy, worked on the 105th floor for a company called Cantor Fitzgerald. And Cantor Fitzgerald logged in 658 losses that day out of 880 employees and uh, basically took them out. Um, The... They had been in the in the explosion in February February of 1993, and Teddy had walked down all those 105 floors, and it took him about five hours to get out. 
when he got home, he had so much smoke in his clothing that then on his body that the water in the shower ran black for like five minutes getting it off. That explosion in 93, there was no smoke outside of any of the buildings. Mm-hmm. So when I turned the, the TV on the morning of 9-11 and I saw the smoke, I, I knew he was gone. There's no way. It was just so thick. And they had joked, joked as they do on Wall Street, you know, that if it happened again, they'd go to the roof. Mm-hmm. And clearly, you know, but you hold on to hope, right? You're, you're like, it's a fire. It's a fire. They can get there. Mm-hmm. They can get there. But the idea of guys running up a hundred floors, I mean, like your logic and your heart, your logic and your heart are being pulled back and forth. Um, the second piece was, so I dealt with his death. I had dealt with terrorism and the concept that somebody had tried to kill him in this way years before this, eight years before. And um, I also had a mother-in-law who was very worried about him all the time in a, in a kind of a, you know, frustrating way for me. She was a bit masochistic and certainly sadistic and telling me he was going to drop out of a heart attack every time I saw her. So what I did is I ran his death through my mind because of this prompting all the time and literally got myself so worked up at night. I'd be weeping next to him in bed, just thinking of him without him you know, being without him and just that craziness you can get yourself to in those right. dark in those wee hours. So those two things. So I ended up, you know, we ended up learning and I knew where everything was that we needed documentation wise. I, we bought as much life insurance as we could afford and then made sure we went to bed well at night, having righted any wrongs so that we could sleep peacefully and um, let it go. And that was and about your, a year. Before did your hus- I was going to say, did your husband have a premonition of, of dying young? Did you tell me that? Yeah. Was- well, you know what? He didn't have a lifeline that connected on his palm. Uh-huh. So his lifeline was short and um, which I noticed years and years ago. And we, you know, we were in that place in our, we were 40 years old. We just had a third child. We kind of knew what we were in for. And the truth of, um, you know, he was, he was pretty frustrated. Work was really tough. New York was tough, commuting, everything. And, you know, I looked at him one day, like two months before, and he was just done. I could just see it, you know, and I know they say the soul knows when it's going to leave the body. And, you know, that just always kind of made sense to me somehow. So, so anyhow, um, I'll stop my story there if you want to jump in. Yeah, I want to fast forward to the day you called me. Do you remember the day you called me? Okay, sure. Yes, of course. <laughs> well. I was very busy doing readings and you called me uh, and I called you back thinking I'm going to make an appointment. I mean, I'm just going to talk with her and then schedule an appointment. And then somehow your uh, deceased husband came in insistently and wanted to give you a message because I think you were you were finishing the book and had to go to the publisher. Is that correct? Exactly right. Okay. So for your listeners to know that story, I was contacted by a friend of mine who's a psychic in Cyprus via Facebook messenger that I needed <laughs> to talk to you. And out of the blue, you know, I had been working feverishly on this book to get it out in time for nine 11. And now we're in the beginning of July and I'm hitting the upload button that day to just send it to press. And literally in those moments, I had just sent it. And I get this message from her and I called you and we caught up, which is amazing. Like who calls somebody and has them answer the phone. And then we spoke later that afternoon. Um, and you said to me that, that in that conversation, he passed along the message that it was of grave importance that we bring the message of love and forgiveness to 9-11. Mm-hmm. That we as Americans had gotten the message wrong. Right. That, right, remember? And that it was something we were supposed to turn the other cheek and lead right. in the way of forgiveness. Yes, I do remember that. 
Yes, because as I said, I wasn't planning on doing your reading, but your husband was so strong coming through me that it was like, no, I have to do this now. And I remember I'd done several readings and I don't really like to tax myself because I want to make sure I do a good job. But um, your husband was quite persistent. I'm not sure if that was his nature, but he sure was that day. It's not. Clearly, he had something he needed to tell you. He's not. He wasn't. I'm the pushy one. He's the easy one. So, yeah, that was great. And I did actually stop the presses and I got that in the book and I got it in the beginning. And it's no, I wish... You know, I did it so fast. If I was going to do it now, I would have done it, you know, a little more eloquently and, and with a little more meaning. Now, two years later, look how much the world has changed. You know, we're in this great awakening. And you and I know that. We've known that. Anyone listening knows this. You know, we have been in this energetic awakening. In my opinion, 9-11 just, just part of the beginning of the explosive catalyst of it. Mm-hmm. Um, right? I mean, so much awakening and so many books are written in the early 2000s, like mine, I got my, so, so just to finish for the story and then I'll wrap it up fast. So the morning of 9-11, by 11 o'clock in the morning, I was watching my friends and neighbors spinning in circles in my living room. Mm-hmm. And I was in this incredibly clear, calm place because I had been prepared by my weird life and these strange negative things had were serving me. So the only way I can explain it is like being 10 feet back from the edge with my feet firmly planted while everyone else was tipping on the edge of the abyss in full defensive posture. You know, I was kind of a weeble. I wobbled, but I didn't fall down. And in saying that I literally was caught up in the, in the fact that my nation had just been attacked. Like Mm -hmm. this was my country, man. I was just as patriotic and nationalist as everyone. You know, you can't get your, my, my mind and my heart couldn't rectify Ted being gone, but I kind of knew, but it was bigger than that. It was always bigger than us. And that's a really important thing for people to know. I wasn't in this victim state at all. I was in the moment with everyone. And in that way, I wanted to help too. You know, and here I have people spinning around me saying, what can I do? What can I do? Lisa, what can I do? Well, there's nothing anyone can do. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, Lee, for somebody that had been raised with a negative religious experience and really always knew there was something more, but didn't know what it was, wasn't really trained, I had this voice say to me, Lisa, let them help you. (laughs) I was like, what? No, no one's going to help me. I'm going to do everything. I'm from the 60s, 70s, 80s. I am woman, man. Absolutely not. And then I let go Mm -hmm. and I surrendered. And when I tell you, Lee, I was overwhelmed with the feelings of right gratitude and humility and this wave of love that literally lifted me. And that is where I have been. And I remember feeling Ted's like feeling something behind me, propping me up like hands on my Mm -hmm. back and thinking, wow, Teddy, is that you? And it's now I look back on it and I know I was being guided instantly in those moments. Like everything makes sense to me looking back on it. And yeah, you've been through so much. I I just want to um, kind of step back again with that message from Teddy of forgiveness how have people responded? I know you've been, you were on um, HLN, on CNN, um, I think right after I, we first connected. You've been, probably been on many shows, but I know you're on that show. How many people, I guess from your point of view, are responding to the, the message of forgiveness and to being able to, to know that there's probably a higher spiritual message of, of what's going on here than, you know, really what happened? I wish I could report millions, but I don't know. I think people are still so caught up in their own 
experience. Um, I think people who are enlightened, people listening to this show can understand the concept of forgiveness. I think the great mass is still very much in the dark. I think people are still very victimized in this country, which I have, you know, you and I've talked about this at length. We suffer from something called that I've handled. I haven't heard it other places, but a national adolescence where we're very, very young and we don't have a lot of life experience. And the sad part about 9-11 is we haven't learned anything from it. Mm -hmm. We haven't taken the time or had the maturity, in fact, to stand back and say, what did we, what could we have done that could have brought this on us, on ourselves? What was our behavior? Where is the self-awareness in our, in our steps and behaviors that we've done around the world that maybe not everybody loves us? Maybe not everybody thought it was so great that we were helping. Maybe, you know, we're not, are we asking or are we just doing? Are we assuming that's what things want? Because it actually, in the end, it really kind of serves us to do it. So, you know, those kind of questions have not been really asked. And as a result, we're still really stuck in victimization. Um, I think that the younger people, I think people under 35, 40, who were born into a different energy, you know, anybody born after the 90s in the early 90s is was born into the feminine energy. I think we all know that, you know, they can receive this information without a blink. Mm-hmm. People over 40, 45, certainly my age, everyone argues with me, you know, that I'm, and I'm at this place where, you know what, I can't convince anybody of anything. You're either going to wake up and figure it out and see it and feel it like we do. Or, you know, so the answer to are, are people embracing forgiveness I maybe if they're on a subconscious level, let's hope they are, and that this is all part of this wave we're in right now. Mm-hmm. I was I met you for the first time last fall, September, mm-hmm. and I went to the memorial, and I was in your home, and I remember uh, watching that watching this all happen on TV, and and you know, like everybody else, being just shocked and traumatized in some ways, but to be able to go to your, you know, your home in Rumson, Rumson, you're in, no, you're in Little, Little Silver? Rumson, Little Silver, Fairhaven, they're all kind of the same. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I could, I could feel the energy of kind of still the heaviness. And I know that we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. There's still trauma there. There's still intensity. Uh, I could actually feel it as an empath. I could feel, um, I don't want to say the, um, how do I say it? Um, even though it's been 19 years, I could, I could still feel like it was still alive. Maybe that's what I'm saying. I could feel the energy there. So so I wanted you to address that, you know, in your community there, if you, if you would, you know, we're talking about forgiveness, but I wanted you to address it because that's what I really felt as an empath. It was like, you know, I saw it on TV, but then never think, Oh, I'm going to know someone or I'm not, I'm going to know a 9-11 window. I'm going to go to this area. And then, you know, you never know where life's going to take you, but it's like, Oh, it just made me pause. It made a, mm-hmm. a real uh, heavy, not a heaviness within me, but um, there was a pause of, hmm, you know, this energy is still uh, palpable. It's very present. It's very present. Yeah. Well, and you have to, so it's really what I love. I just like saying this word. It's the megalopolis. It's the 50 million people population between Boston and Washington that were one degree separated from someone who died or a family that they knew. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the ripple effect or the, the you know, there are very uh-huh. few, very few people that didn't know someone or know of someone. Um, mm-hmm. So it was very personal. And, and one of the things about nine 11, and I think all trauma, which really needs to be looked at is it's very different if it's personal. 
right? So that was a personal effect on 50 million people or, or pretty much 20% of the American population directly. Uh-huh. If you compare that to the shootings in Las Vegas, that you know, recent shootings, or you compare it to Columbine, or you compare it to the Oklahoma City bombings in 95, well, they were very sad for everyone. But if you were not personally connected, it was a news story, a tragic news story, but it didn't have that dimension of heart involved. And that's where we are right now is, is I think that on a global perspective, we, you know, what we're suffering from in the Northeast is the lack of uh, permission of looking at things in a new way. There's a lot of generational living here. People are in the same towns they grew up in and their grandparents before them and the great grandparents before them, often in the same houses, you know, and so no one has ever left. Well, how can you understand a new horizon if you've never left home and not been given permission or or encouraged to leave home. So you go, the further West you go, you get a more open-minded experience because people just have more experience of understanding how great the world is and how great people really are. And, you know, we really come from a place where we are, we are all good. You know, we learn, we learn the darkness, I think, um, you know, and how we've been shown or taught or role modeled how to handle things. So the heaviness we feel here is still present because again, it hasn't been, I haven't been able to leave. People can't really tolerate the conversation. They know they're unhappy, but there's so many traumas that have followed this one without any treatment of the first one. So if 9-11 infused uh, the fear of terror now at a cellular, cellular level, it moved that fear factor of humanity down the spectrum even further and then sealed over. And then we had Katrina five years later. And then we have, but that didn't affect us, but we, it was a huge trauma for everyone. And in the world to see something of that magnitude. And then Wall Street in 2008 hit the same exact population again. And then 2012, we had Hurricane Sandy here wiped out this coast from Connecticut down to the tip of New Jersey, all the same people again, no one having had any kind of emotional treatment or emotional therapy because of that stoic generational based upbringing. And how have you, um, I wanna tie this into something else here, what's happening currently. But how, how did you have the strength and the courage to be able to, to, to rise above your own angst and your own sorrow and to be able to write this book and to be able to take care of your children and to start Cosmina? Because we'll talk about that in a minute. But how, what, what was that ego strength? What, where did you get that oomph to, to rise above to be the beautiful light that you are today? It was 100% coming through me. I will be honest. I think because I'd had 40 really tough dysfunctional years in a family that looked normal, but but was an alcoholic American, upper middle class white family that, you know, had this, had this trauma of things being buried and covered and no emotional education at all with which to handle anything. So by the time Teddy died, I was so twisted up in my knot of dysfunction that it was like literally being shot from a cannon to the other side of whatever and waking up out of the box. Mm-hmm. So what 9-11 did for me, what I believe trauma does for people is it shifts you to a totally different place. And it's that pain and that, that incredible heightened, heightened awareness that comes with great pain. When this opportunity to learn and see in different in a different way, to consider things you would never have considered because you just want that pain to stop and you just need to figure it out as fast as possible. So that's where so much spiritual enlightenment and so many people seek spiritual enlightenment and alternative thinking because that is just too excruciating 
to just mm-hmm. sit, try to pray away. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's where so many suicides and so many people that I know personally that have, have been awakened into the beautiful glory of what we know in, in the, the enlightenment um, and what I call the enlightenment 2.0, this is the second wave of enlightenment now. And it's, mm-hmm. this is the, the fifth dimensional energy realm enlightenment where we know quantum physics will one day prove that this energy field exists, you know, versus the enlightenment of shifting from the deity and dogma to science in the 1700s, the first enlightenment. So we're progressing as humanity. Um, I think one of the really, really interesting parts about being alive today is that as souls, we've been chosen to be here right now because we are witnessing, and I'll say this really slowly, we are have the honor and privilege of witnessing in real time, the evolution of mankind. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, indeed. And that's what I, this point I want to make now. You talked about um, the trauma. I think you said the f- trauma was infused within, like, the, or imprinted within the minds or the hearts of, of probably all who witnessed that event, not only in the United States of America, but probably, you know, around the globe. That fear has been imprinted. And do you see a correlation in any way how this fear that now this pandemic and this widespread fear that people have, do you feel like there's a correlation somehow between 9-11 and this fear or is just a continuum of what's been imprinted within us from, from again, the beginning of time, but we get continue to get triggered by external that creates even more fear in us? It's absolutely playing out right now. It's absolutely playing out. And and the saddest part of it is, you know, I was hoping to address fear and this where we are in our about things like national adolescence and uh-huh. and really looking at how we can become wiser because with wisdom, um, with you know, understanding that we don't really know anything and being those curious observers of our life becomes a much more positive way to be in the world, that life is happening for us, not mm-hmm. to us. Just that message of of shifting out of that negative to that positive way to see things. Um, the COVID experience, it's almost like people are wanting it to be more dramatic. Not in, I don't mean that in any critical or judgmental way. What I mean by that is we've lost 200,000 people in America. Um, that's a lot of people, but it's not the 30%, that's 3%, not even of the population. It's not 30% as the, Spanish flu took in 1918 mm-hmm. and it's like, we're, we're treating it like it's 30%. And it's not that it's not serious and it's not that it can't, I mean, we're still stuck where we are, but we're really not dying, but we're acting as though we're going to die. Mm-hmm. And the truth is it is not a deadly virus. This is my opinion. Now people might disagree with me and I do not mean to seem heartless for anyone who has suffered a loss for anyone who has suffered a job change, for anyone who's suffering through educating their children online. This is a tough time. My own kids, my own life, we are stuck right now in a holding pattern. Mm -hmm. But a holding pattern is a holding pattern. It's not the end of the world. You know, we don't know what's coming. We have to be patient and wait, which is what's killing us is we have to wait. But the point of the virus is AIDS is a deadly virus. If you got AIDS, you would die. Mm -hmm. covid is a bad virus that if you have underlying conditions or your number just comes up, then you, you're going to, you could, you could go, but it's not, it's not 
to me, the fear and your question being about the fear, that's how the fear is propagating itself. And then the media is feeding it and feeding it and feeding it and feeding it because we're addicted to feeling fear and it's comfortable when something's comfortable, no matter, even if it's negative, we still hold on to it. So, you know, it's a lot of, we're going to have to re-educate, spin, you know, literally untwist the knot. That's the best example I can metaphor for it. We're so twisted. We have to purposely give ourselves permission to take a breath and just remember, look outside. It's a blue sky. It's gorgeous. The sun's shining, comes up every morning, sets every night. We're still okay. You know, and that's what I wish was happening more. I wish we were getting more of that message. And today on my Mary Magdalene call, every Monday morning, I bring forth the mystical teachings of Mary Magdalene Jeshua. And this was the focus, which is interesting, was uh, the power of love to heal fear. The power of love is the energy of the creator. And that's what we were designed to hold and carry, love, and that love will conquer and heal all. So as we take dominion and sovereignty over ourselves and know that we are, we are beings of love, that we can manifest, create, make whole the energy of that vibration, hold that within our energy field, that's stronger than fear. No great adventure ever started with, so there I was on the couch. Adventures should be fun. Adventures should be rugged. Adventures should take you someplace new. And if you ask me, there's no better place to start your adventure this spring than at your local Honda dealer, where new Hondas are arriving daily. Check out the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, Accord, Civic, and more. So you can stay on the couch if you want to, but I'm going to find adventure in a new Honda. Hurry into your local Honda dealer before they're gone. Congrats on going to college. Now the fun begins with setting up your dorm. Make it yours. Bed Bath & Beyond makes it easy. Sign up now for our college savings pass. Get 20% off your entire purchase every time you shop through September 30th. Only at Bed Bath & Beyond. Absolutely. So as as we have these tragedies of 9-11 or now we have the pandemic or we have um, these mass shootings, we have earth changes, uh, you know, all these energies continue to, to, to propagate or to bring forth this fear within us that needs to be taken a look at because that's not our natural state of being. And I know that you, this is a part of what your book is, is that as you you designed or created Cosmina, an act of kindness. It was rising above this level of our lower-based emotion of fear and moving into that space of love and holding compassion and love. And so can we move into how you started Cosmina? Well, I love that, Lee, and this, that's always the, the reshape. That's the, re, the reset on everything, right? We have a choice um, because fear is conjured, right? We're conjuring fear in our mind. It's thoughts of the future. It's thoughts of the past anxiety of the past, regret of the past, anxiety of the future. We can control nothing. You know, one thing I've learned, nothing else I've learned in this last few years with one of my kids is we control nothing. And we think we can, you know, and the truth is that's why being in this place of appreciation and gratitude, right, which is brings that vibration up. And, you know, those lower vibrations are very seductive. That, that vibration of victimization and of, of blame and anger, they we love to be there. It is so comfortable. But, you know, if we look at COVID, let's look at COVID for a second. Let's look at our own behavior. Let's say maybe COVID is Mother Nature's way of saying, hey, humans, you're doing it wrong. You're going to get a big fat timeout because it's time to reframe, reframe your purpose. Mm-hmm. Why are you here? What are you doing? 
You've been running and running in circles and spinning and staying superficial about things that don't matter, social media, you know, who's going where, bragging about your lives, narcissistic tendencies that are never going to serve anyone except, excuse me, negatively. Um, Sorry. And um, that the, the point being, it's, it's a way to look at it, right? If you look at this and say, wait a minute, I was doing it wrong. This is giving me a chance to like be with my family right. and actually play games, you know, and have a conversation and bake. I mean, look at all the baking that's exploded. Look at, yeah, granted, we're all 10 pounds heavier, but, you know, exercise. <laughs> but, you know, there's the, the point is that there's a lot of ways to look at things that can shift that vibration out of fear and more into the anabolics of mm-hmm. helpfulness, of love, of win-win, of, of what the American, what, what makes me sad for lack of a better word, is that we as Americans, our gross domestic product is innovation. We rise when things are rough. We sit there and say, wait a minute, how can we fix this? Right. That's where we can be more proactive. And if fixing this means we're just going to get better at being bored again, because we lost our skill set for being bored. And what comes out of boredom? Creativity. Mm-hmm. And what comes out of creativity? Solutions. And what comes out of when we have any kind of tragedy or is bringing out either the best in people or maybe the worst in people, but bringing forth kindness to help your fellow brother and sister. So this time of inner reflection of reexamining our lives. So when I, um, when this uh, kind of lockdown came down back in March, it was like, I got the download that I'm supposed to be teaching. This was the year I'm supposed to be teaching. I'm supposed to be teaching. I was a teaching. So I was listening to my inner voice, my higher self, whatever you want to call it, to be able to teach. And so um, I have this whole platform of Goldilocks Productions came forward and these master classes now with Tiffany have come forward and some other opportunities have come forward. So we can begin to stop and say, okay, there's a reason why I'm being stopped. There's a reason that my higher self or my uh, own soul is asking me to listen and to make changes. What direction am I going in? You're right. We've been spinning out of control in many ways. And so this is an opportunity for us to step back and begin to listen to our true voice and move forward into the life pathway that we're to do. So if we're not listening, then, you know, we become angry or stuck. And yet it's important that we, we again go into that quiet zone and ask. But I was, again, for me, it was like this was what was coming in for me at this time. And I have a tendency to um, uh, to create, which I love to create. And so the opportunities were there for me t- to do this. So I'm saying anybody who thinks that their life is on hold or stop, step back, reflect, listen to what your passion is, go forth with it, and let the universe support you what's in your rightful purpose. And it's sort of the same, again, with you're talking about um, moving forward into Cosmina and, and the acts of kindness. How can we serve, you know, from a place of, of love, from our true spiritual self? How can we bring our greatest gifts onto the world to serve? Right. Well, and your point is perfect in the sense that we have to actually be quiet in order to listen. And with all the noise we had in the world, that no one was quiet. There was no way to actually be quiet. So quiet is now, again, right. We've been put on, we're sitting on the steps. We're on a timeout. Mm-hmm. So 
Just think of it that way. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're doing, right? No TV. Like, no, 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 no. Put it down. You know, and just take some control back. And recognize. It's about like being grounded as a kid, you know. Precisely. I mean, the truth is, and I'm gonna say something that again is is may not be a popular way to put this. Three thousand people were killed in the nine eleven towers. Mm-hmm. In total, right? Between if that's kind of the Pentagon's everybody, the, the planes, the whole deal. Uh, maybe a few, maybe thirty three hundred out of all the tens of thousands of people that could have been killed. That's a small percentage. Mm-hmm. Out of the tens of thousands, millions and millions of that could be killed in COVID, it's still a small percentage of the people who've been infected versus those who have died. You know what I'm saying? So it's how we are looking at it when we look at our lives. Do you remember there was a movie that came out and it was actually regards to the kids being really overserved with homework and pressure and academics. Mm-hmm. It was about 10 years ago. It was called the race to nowhere. No, didn't. And I remember lying on the analyst couch going, where are we going? Why are we doing 10 years of travel soccer with kids who are good, but they're, 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 where do you go with it? Travel soccer. No one makes a living being a soccer player at the end of the day. You've got 10 years of childhood, roughly between, you know, eight and 18 uh, to put all kinds of neuro pathways in there of learning all kinds of things. If you've spent all 10 years doing the same thing, you've spent, you know, the same year 10 times. So the idea being you only have a chance to one shot at childhood to get that unbelievable creative treat of grow you know and then as adults we just play it out because it's zero to 21 by year and then it's your 20s your 30s your 40s your 50s it becomes a decade so you know everything just slow down long enough to just take assessment of your life and how you're spending your time right you know what is and and if you're really compelled to pick up your phone why where's your self-discipline Where's the self-discipline around structure, which we all hate the idea of being told to do something. However, mm-hmm. how good do we feel when we check all the boxes at the end of the day versus mm-hmm. how bad do we feel when we have that thing we should have done and we didn't do it. So self-discipline begins with the adult population to teach the kids. And, you know, it's in right now we're in such a really interesting time and we'll get to Cosmina in a sec, but just to finish this thought, we're in this really interesting time where kids are now, the authorities on things like technology, right? They're, they can Google anything they want. Do they need a library? Things are changing, right? So we're in a really interesting paradigm right now with parenting and children and how do we as parents and older people serve the younger population? We don't have all the answers like our parents mm-hmm. had for us. We can do that in the form of wisdom of valuing the years you've had on the planet, the experiences you've had in your life that you have survived, that you've worked through, that you look back now with wisdom and knowledge. That's what I'm asking of anybody who's 40 and over is to say, as I've learned very clearly in my life, it's my life experiences that prepared me hmm. to handle 9-11. So that 9-11 would be this unbelievable learning curve and this opportunity for emotional development and growth that I only dreamed about being in this place. And here I am. Through this tragedy, look what happens. And I can and I will credit that and now segue to what you want were saying about Cosmina and the brand. It was about the kindness of strangers mm-hmm. that showed up for me. That show up for and that all was, of that, us. And that was what you needed in your life. Because yeah. I know you had, you, 
I was going to say, I know you've had a rough childhood, you know, and so for that was, that was huge for you to be able to feel that love and to be able to, to feel the love from strangers. And, but it wasn't something I expected. And I think that's where the difference is. You expect mm-hmm. that your family, or this is how we're trained. How I would, I'll say how I was trained, that your family's going to be there for you. And the people mm-hmm. close are going to be there for you. Well, if they're stuck in the trauma as badly as you are, they can barely be there for themselves. Mm-hmm. Let alone the fact that there was dysfunction in the family system. And one, one I think, thing that played out significantly in, in the 9-11 family specifically is wherever you were broken, you broke further. The centrifugal force of the pressure of that, those buildings falling and the emotional emotional presence of that energy that pushed out on all of us, we were we broke where we were already broken. So my family and my husband's family blew apart. They weren't good to begin with. And so I was left with nothing. Right. Never in a million years did I expect what I was given by strangers. And it was in that unexpected, it's in that non-expectation, that amazing gift of surprise in this generosity and this kindness that literally was unerring. It came at me and to me and for me for years, long enough for me to sustain myself through deep psychoanalytic analysis when I was being shamed and bullied by my family and by people I knew. How, how could I ever be you know, so weak as to go to analysis? Well, guess what? It's a superpower. And my strength that you mentioned came from the fact that I had taken crap for so many years from so many people that it gave, 9-11 gave me the permission to never have to listen to another soul again. So I followed my intuition and all of that guidance I was getting that morning, I just listened. Like you're saying, you just listened because no one had the answers. I knew no one had the answers. Right. And I want to share this before we go into Cosme because I want you to talk about pocket hearts here. Okay. Um, what I'm seeing behind you is this tremendous light going into your heart. Oh. So I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Teddy or if it's an angel, but I'm as we're talking about opening the heart, living in uh, the place of an open heart of forgiveness and generosity and kindness. I'm seeing all this energy coming into your heart. So for those listeners who've gone through trauma and any kind of trauma that they might have had, childhood trauma or anything that's happening with them, you know, Lisa has gone through probably you know one of the worst traumas one could imagine you know, the death of her husband in such a traumatic way, but we've all gone through traumas. And I'm seeing all this energy being infused in your heart as you're you're a vessel of heart warmth. And so it's no wonder that you have these uh, heart pockets because the energy, it's either, like I said, I don't know if it's Teddy or if it's an angel, but it's like this energy is coming into your heart, reading it. And for all those who are listening and watching, uh, you are a conduit to help people to open their heart, to forgive, to have kindness, generosity, to to be able to heal. That's what I'm seeing as this energy. Thank you pouring through you, but how did those pocket hearts come about? Is that, is so the that pocket a part hearts, of yes, I'll show everybody one if I can do this. Um, okay. So you see that little heart, they're little clay hearts that I made so out of, out of um, that little, it's called polymer baking clay, Fimo uh-huh. or Sculpey. And I sit at night and I twist them up and I've made, I guess I'm at least at 50,000 that I've given out because I just love giving them. And they're a pay it forward or a pay it back for all the kindness and love that's been showered on the kids and I all these years. And it gives me the greatest joy to give them. And then mm-hmm. they're received with amazing, amazing love. I mean, like they're not, for, they're not mine. They came through me. They're an energetic connection from a really beautiful story. 
that came about three days after 9-11. Understanding that my, you know, I was a nurse in a four month old. I had two other kids. Life was going on. Kids had to get to school. I mean, I was trying to keep it as normal as I could. But every morning by nine o'clock, I would have 10 or 15 people just standing in my kitchen just to support me and be there with me and be there. But many, what I really did understand was they needed to be there for themselves. Uh And that's something we need to understand that it's okay. That, you know, we, part of giving is you have to receive. Um, The cycle of reciprocity is that in order to, when somebody's hurting, the people around them are hurting also. And for me to have blocked them, would have blocked them from feeding their own souls. Mm-hmm. And giving is a really important part of being human, taking care of each other. We're called to do it in difficult times. We can't just watch somebody suffer and walk by. It's just not our, it's just not what we are. Um, so this friend of mine from church, a big guy who was the fire chief in the town next door, um, came into my kitchen, just showed up had his hands in his pockets, big guy, mustache, you know, like big, tall, burly man. And, you know, he was kind of, I could see he was just kind of holding it together. And he walked in and he said, Lisa, I could cry telling you this, Lisa, um, I was at ground zero yesterday looking for Teddy and I had this with you and I, with me and I want you to have it. And he pulled his hand out of his pocket and there was this little silver coin with an angel embossed on it because it's a pocket angel. I was like, wow, like I've never even heard of that. Now, what you have to understand in this story is that I was dying to get into the city to look for Ted. He was my man. That was my city. Those were my towers. I'd had an enormous amount of business myself there. He'd worked there for 10 years. I mean, we were New Yorkers. It was killing me to not find him. I mean, this unbelievable, you've got to find your your man, your baby, whoever it is, Mm -hmm. that fierceness. And I couldn't go. Because I had people in front of me. I had kids in my way, parents in my way. I mean, this is my self-talk telling you this, but, you know, just God, this is angst. I reached for that coin in his hand. And I, when I took it from him, I got full body chills. I got this wave of dizziness. And when I came out of it, I didn't have to go anymore. Oh. It's like I had been there already. Yeah. Uh-huh. So... That was a total he's, game changer. He's still here with you. Ah. Yeah. Still in your heart. Yeah. You made me cry, Lisa. So um, these came about five years later because Teddy was so much fun and he was so lighthearted and loving and adorable that I was playing with my kids and I'm a crafter, so I was doing things with my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they wanted to make little animals or whatever they were making. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make hearts. I'm going to make pocket hearts and I'm going to give them out and pay it forward for all the love we've gotten. Cause I've got, I mean, to receive that much is a lot. It's a, not a, a, there's no word for it. I can't say it was a burden in any way. It was an unbelievable gift, but to pay back for the rest of my life, mind you, you know, I'm still a reciprocal person and that person that doesn't want help. Right. So I'm still who I am, but in doing that, I started making these hearts and giving them out and the connectivity of them, I they, they carry that energy in them. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm putting it there. They come, they came through me just as the Cosmina brand was yeah. part of a download that I didn't even know the word download when it happened in 2005 and six, uh, sat up, bolt upright on the analyst couch one day because the rest of the backstory goes within a week or so of 9-11, I could feel this power. It wasn't my brain courage. You asked about my strength and my courage. 
it's inherent in who we are. We are all inherently strong. It's just the challenges make us, our strength come out or not. So I felt this unbelievable driving knowing that I had to make something good come from 9-11 or the terrorists would have won. And that wasn't okay with me. And the only way I could think of making something good come from it was to figure it out, whatever it was. So I took my 40 crazy 40 first years and put them on the analyst couch and I started digging (laughs) and I dug and I dug and I figured out, I was figuring out micro stuff and macro stuff. It was like the lessons were coming this way and the world and the globe and, and our society and culture. And here's my life, my life. And they're playing out simultaneously. And so Four years later, I don't know what my therapist said to me, and I don't know or what happened that prompted it. I sat bolt upright on the couch, and I went, "Oh my God, I've got it! I get it! I know how to I know how to save the world." Mm-hmm. <laughs> all, seriously, I know it's nice. Yeah. We all just have to be nice. Yeah, and I know that sounds completely trite and ridiculous, mm-hmm. but when I when years later when I wrote the book, I realized it was because in my first forty years, no one had ever been nice to me, and. After 9-11, everyone, no one was ever not nice to me. Mm-hmm. So it was truly the kindness, unsolicited, genuine kindness, because people knew what had happened to me. Right. Because they would give me the extra pause. They would give the kids the extra pause because they knew our story. And so my prompt to take that to everyone else, we'd never know what someone's carrying with them. Mm-hmm. But I can promise you it's something big. And to give them that moment of consideration and grace to not judge and not criticize and give them love. You know, that's the forgiveness of the imperfections, right? Our perfect imperfection. None of us are, none of us have it all going on and perfection is impossible, not to mention ridiculous, but that's the whole, you know, the kindness aspect is it's out there for all of us and it starts with us Mm -hmm. to ourselves and everyone else. And, and gratitude because we all have soul lessons. We didn't we didn't come into this life uh, with you know like there's that book what was uh, what is what do bad things happen to good people? You know, right? I actually have that on my shelf. I just saw it. Whatever that book from eons ago. Why bad things happen like, to good people? Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, we all have soul lessons. We've all come in with these soul challenges. It is how do we step up to them? How do we master? How do we become masters of our own emotions to be able to move through, like we talked about, those lower base frequencies of a fear right. to step up, and you've been able to step up and move through. So perhaps, you know, the, the death of your husband really, I'm just going to say this, maybe that was a gift from him to you So for your part of your soul evolution. Well, from what we've talked about and all the contracting done and, and the understanding that um, – he knew he was going to be here a short amount of time and that my kids were here to be with me and whatever that meant, whatever our journeys are together. Um, it seems that's how it's felt. My kids, we call ourselves team Luckett and, um, and that's all we are. We don't have much family, if any, um, our friends, our family or our family, friends, family. And, you know, and, and it's been a really interesting life and, and yeah, it, everything is kind of about the struggle, right. And, and reframing, what we're in instead of reeling back from it, right? In that defensive position of fear, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. Instead be like, okay, what's going to happen next? I'm leaning in. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. teach me, teach me, show me, challenge me, 
let me know what I'm capable of doing because you are capable of doing pretty much everything that shows up for you. And I have the uh, framework that life doesn't have to be a struggle. We can we can learn our lessons with grace and ease. Agreed, agreed. When I say struggle, I mean that it's not that things aren't happening to you. They're happening for you. Back to that. And yes, grace and ease and grace Allahim. You and I talk about all the time, <laughs> right? Yes. Allahim grace, grace Allahim. Yes. We just have to allow and be uh, a little disconnected from it, right? We need to, to stay detached, not disconnected, but hell so, in a healthy way. So we just have a few minutes left. How can people find your book? Uh, the light in 9-11 where, where can they find it so it's on amazon it's on my little website lisaluckett.com um please support your local booksellers they can get it through uh ingram ingram reps ingram spark or the ingram catalog if, if you want to ever do it for a book club i'm happy to jump in and and be on a zoom with somebody who's reading it as a book group we've had a lot of conversations about it people i just want you to net them to know that it's not about 9-11 15 pages of it are about 9-11 the rest of it is about the journey that came with it. And it's really about healing from trauma. It's about choosing to see the light in your struggles and the healing power of kindness. And that it's just available for all of us. And you're now doing life coaching. Is that correct? I am. I am. And so, th- so <laughs> this story and your story has probably brought you to life coaching, which perhaps maybe you weren't, you know, that's might not have been in your, your wheelhouse, right. Right. but that's, Tell us a bit about that. We just got a couple more minutes here. Tell us a little bit about that to promote your, your life. Thank you. So, yeah. So the life coaching is really an interesting thing. It's, it's really about, unlike this interview, it's about being quiet and me asking questions and listening, uh, which I'm excited to do. I'm excited to quiet down myself and be still and really be present for other people. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of I've spent the last 15 years talking about, this explosive understanding I was given and now it's available in the book. Um, I believe that trauma is serves us or as painful as it is. I'm not saying it's easy in any way and that death is easy. And, but it, it, it is a, it is a part of our life experience here and it's how we choose to allow it to process through us. And um, so the coaching life coaching is a, is a really very interesting time uh, place. You can go to just, live your life better. Um, it's a very positive thing. It's 80% going forward into the future and how to get where you want to go. Um, analysis and therapy are about figuring out why you make the choices you make. So they're like more about taking dysfunction or something broken and making it functional or healthy. And then coaching picks up where that healthy function can now be optimized, where you can actually really really live that life you want to live. And it's really exciting. Um, it's such an interesting skill set to have learned. And I thank you for asking me about it. Oh, well, I just, you know, you've been through a lot and you have a lot of wisdom and, hmm. you know, you're quite articulate. So, you know, you're a perfect life coach. So, well, I'll, and I'll try not to talk. That's what I'm, I promise to my, <laughs> my clients. Um, you know, and I'm happy to talk to anybody. I'm really interested in just practicing the skill set mm-hmm. and just really helping and serving. Um, much of what I'm about is value. There's a really great book that if you haven't read, I really recommend reading anyone in business right now. It's just such a refreshing little parable called The Go-Giver mm-hmm. by Bob Berg. 
Um, something like the alchemist was the, the precursor to something like this, but just, it's just good living and good, a good way to go into the world because it is about sharing and giving more value than you're being paid for. Just giving more with you, what you're serving. And, and it's, you know, it's just, it, for me, it's about connecting and helping people, helping people help themselves. Right. Cause we really all do have the skill set. It just hasn't really maybe been trained or taught. Mm-hmm by the people before us. And it's a brand new world. We can ask for this stuff and, and not be shamed, which is just fantastic. Well, Lisa, thank you for being my, my guest today. It's always a delight. I'm happy to see you again. I haven't seen you for a year. Fabulous. I know. Next year, next year. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta get together. Gotta get to New Jersey with my New Jersey people. I know you guys are great. (laughs) <laughs> the light, <laughs> the light in nine eleven. Shocked by kindness, healed by love by Lisa Lockett. Get this book; it's a fascinating read. She's amazing. You know, if you're struggling with any kind of trauma and want some life coaching, please call Lisa. Her website again is www.lisalockett.com. And the Cosmina, if you want to learn more about Cosmina, is www.cosmina.com. That's C-O-Z-M-E-E-N-A. So, thank you, Miss Lisa. I love thank you. Thank you, Miss Lisa. Love you All guys. Right. Tiffany, thank you behind the scenes. You and say everybody have a great day today. Enjoy. Right. Thanks, honey. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. You're welcome. So, just to remind everybody again that this week, we've got a lot happening. We're going to have those master classes on Goldilocks Productions with Tiffany White Sage and myself starting October 2nd. We'll have four classes October 2nd, 9, 16, and 23, starting at 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. We will be talking about New Earth Rising, that we're moving out of chaos into a new energy of heaven on earth and that we do have the power to move ourselves from fear to love. So we are going to be discussing how we, as individuals as new earth beings uh he as we are here as as humans on the planet can move into our fifth dimensional frequency and beyond living from our heart center just like lisa and with the heart pockets and moving from a place of fear into love moving into our power so join us and again if you want to sign up for those again go to goldilocksproductions.com i am having my beginning intuitive development class also in that same day so busy girl uh gonna have two of those i'm gonna have level one on october 2nd from 8 p.m to 9 30 p.m eastern standard time level two is just a continuation of the beginning intuitive development class and that will be um october 16th so we got october 2nd for level one october 16th for level level two for those who are awakening to their spiritual gifts and want to tap in to learn more about their psychic and intuitive abilities. And you can certainly go to my website, which is leechapin.com and take a look at all that I've been doing. Again, every Monday morning, I bring forth the mystical teachings of Mary Magdalene and Jeshua. I put those out on Facebook as well as on my website. And in addition, those audio recordings are available on my YouTube channel. So just Google my name, Lee Chapin, L-E-A-C-H-A-P-I-N, and you can access those uh, recordings uh, of my Mary Magdalene teachings every Monday morning. And then I do have a daily inspiration from Christ that I bring forth daily meditations to soothe the mind, to help people to move from fear to love. So if you have any interest in receiving those daily meditations, they're very short. They're about 10 minutes. I do them every day to help people again to calm themselves, to begin to listen to the still quiet voice. But these are inspirational messages to help us to be at peace. So again, you can find those on my website at leechapin.com or you can email me at leechapin at gmail.com. 
and take a look at my books, The Divine Union, The Love Story of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. It talks about their love story as young children, but also the big premise here of the story is their sacred contract as they brought forward their journey of divine sacred union onto the planet to help us to move back into balance, which we are all moving into that we're all sharing here on Inspiration from Spirit. And the 12 Master Teachings of Christ, the True Essence of Christ's Teachings, the first lesson of love, the last lesson is joy. I brought those teachings 17 years ago, but they're pertinent today as they are uh, 17 years ago. So take a look, go to my website, and have a blessed day. We'll see you next week. Namaste. And again, thank you to Lisa for being my guest on my show. It was fascinating. Have a great day. Blessings. <laughs> Become a Goldilocks Productions VIP patron. Receive exclusive access to live stream special and other epic packs. Join the Goldilocks Productions VIP community today. No great adventure ever started with, so there I was on the couch. Adventure should be fun. Adventure should be rugged. Adventure should take you someplace new. And if you ask me, there's no better place to start your adventure this spring than at your local Honda dealer, where new Hondas are arriving daily. Check out the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, Accord, Civic, and more. So you can stay on the couch if you want to, but I'm going to find adventure in a new Honda. Hurry into your local Honda dealer before they're gone. Congrats on going to college. Now the fun begins with setting up your dorm. Make it yours. Bed Bath & Beyond makes it easy. Sign up now for our college savings pass. Get 20% off your entire purchase every time you shop through September 30th. Only at Bed Bath & Beyond. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.